Hi, this is Dr. Jane Battenberg, author of Change Within, Change the World. In this weekly podcast, I interview changemakers who are at the cutting edge of new thought and consciousness awareness. Join me as we change within and change the world together. In my last five podcasts, I've interviewed people with ideas for creating a new normal, for building back better, and how to create a world that works for everyone, not just an elite few. Even though we may eventually get back on track, some things probably won't revert to the old ways. We've gotten used to things such as Zoom meetings, more people working from home, and more online connections, less flying, less commuting, less shopping, not caring so much how we dress. Some days we don't even get out of our pajamas. More growing our own food, more care for the homeless. Some of these trends may take longer to get back to where we were, if ever. Since globally, we're all in the same boat, it's harder to point the finger and easier to empathize. True, some are better off and some worse, but we're all linked in ways we haven't felt before. We may have come up to a ceiling of sorts where, like the caterpillar in the cocoon, must die or transform to a butterfly. In Chapter 2 of my book, Change Within, Change the World, I review thoughts from well-known people. Teilhard de Chardin's idea of the noosphere as a global mental network of humanity says we must evolve to an entity of even higher complexity or become extinct. There's no turning back. The culmination of the 5,125-year Mayan calendar on December 21, 2012, was thought to signal the end of the world. Since it didn't end on that day, some think that it is just taking longer to play out. Or, rather than being an end to humanity, we might be becoming an entirely different species. Rupert Sheldrake's morphogenetic field of thought to which all humans contribute suggests we might indeed be participating in creating a new species, like the caterpillar evolved to a higher level or perish. In any case, we probably don't want to waste this opportunity to rise above the level at which our world problems were created. As Einstein said, we need a higher level of thinking above where the problems were created to change things. I invite you to listen to my thoughts on this topic as I read Chapter 2 of my book, Change Within, Change the World. Chapter 2 Complexification and the Noosphere, Pierre de Chardin, Rupert Sheldrake, José Arguelles. I next look to Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, 1881-1955, philosopher, paleontologist, and Jesuit priest who famously said, We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. He saw humans continuing to complexify until we arrive at a terminal position, which he called the omega point. 
The omega point is where we organically can't go any further in complexity, and therefore our consciousness is also limited. Psychically can't accept the failure of falling back to an earlier state, yet human yearning is such that cosmically we cannot remain in one place. We must continually strive to move forward. According to Teilhard, we must shift our most fundamental assumptions or perish. It's like the caterpillar in its cocoon that must turn to mush and then transform into a butterfly or die. Our survival requires a quantum leap in consciousness. Teilhard believed that a global network of human beings would evolve to an entity of even higher complexity in consciousness. He said, Our duty as men and women is to proceed as if limits to our ability did not exist. We are collaborators in creation. Not limiting this concept to humans or even to the external world, he explained as follows. The time has come to realize that an interpretation of the universe, even a positivist one, remains unsatisfying unless it covers the interior as well as the exterior of things, mind as well as matter. The true physics is that which will one day achieve the inclusion of man in his wholeness in a coherent picture of the world. The other concept that Teilhard thought vitally important was the noosphere. He suggested that in an evolutionary unfolding, the earth was growing a new organ of consciousness. As the earth's body is the biosphere, the mind is the noosphere. He regarded it literally as the earth's mental sheath a highly charged thinking layer that acts as a minefield of collective consciousness. It is there to join us together into a level of unity previously unknown. Our yearning for the whole and for oneness is what compels us to the omega point. Yet it is much more transcending our humanity and linking us to a quantum reality metaverse of a collective virtual shared space. Again, I refer to his own words so as not to lose the beauty and essence. There is almost a sensual longing for communion with others who have a large vision. The immense fulfillment of the friendship between those engaged in furthering the evolution of consciousness has a quality impossible to describe. Remain true to yourself, but move ever upward toward greater consciousness and greater love. At the summit, you will find yourselves united with all those who from every direction have made the same ascent. For everything that rises must converge. The age of nations has passed. Now, unless we wish to perish, we must shake off our old prejudices and build the earth. The more scientifically I regard the world the less I can see any biological future for it except in the active consciousness of its unity. The idea of a common field for the Earth's collective consciousness is not new. Carl Jung equated it to synchronicity and a telepathic medium of communication. The theory of the noosphere was intrinsic to Buckminster Fuller's concepts for a whole system design of the Earth as an evolving organism. It is the Earth's Internet. One of my favorite examples of this is known as the hundredth monkey effect. 
Rupert Sheldrake, a Cambridge-trained biochemist, physiologist, and prominent public intellectual, proposes that every species has a morphic field of thought to which all its members contribute. When 100 monkeys on one island began washing their sweet potatoes to get the sand off, monkeys on other islands who had never seen this activity spontaneously began to do the same. In short order, monkeys all over the world picked it up. What 100 monkeys started became accessible to all monkeys through this monkey morphic field. Whether legend or fact, this story illustrates the phenomenon of critical mass and morphic field. It is true that when mice in England learned to run mazes faster, mice in the United States also began learning faster, even though the two groups of mice did not have the benefit of physical contact with each other. And what about humans? Roger Bannister was the first to run a mile in under four minutes. In less than a month, John Landy beat Bannister's record. In 2015, a high school student, Matthew Maton, was the sixth high schooler to break four minutes. We seem to be able to stand on the shoulders of those before us. Sheldrake called this long-distance learning non-local resonance and says that it allows habits to be shared across space without physical contact. According to Sheldrake, Morphogenetic means giving birth to form. His theory of formative causation is concerned with how things from galaxies to atoms take up their forms or patterns and organize themselves. He calls the self-organizing systems their fields. The forms of each system depend on the way the previous ones of that kind were organized. According to his theory, there is a built-in memory of each kind of thing. The fields are generally defined as regions of influence. When asked what these fields are made of, his answer is that nobody really knows. Called morphic fields, they are structures in space and time, localized in and around the system they organize. So, the morphic field of us as humans is in and around us resonating and influencing other human fields in morphic resonance. He suggests the probability of invincible mathematical laws at work, which, although not material or energetic, are nevertheless mysteriously always present everywhere. Sheldrake's hypothesis upsets mechanistic science while demonstrating its limitations. It gives a completely new view of instincts and behavioral patterns, and also provides a new understanding of social structures and cultural ideas. Each pattern, organized by a field, a social group for example, has an inherent collective memory upon which we all draw. It not only organizes the present, but also contains a memory of that particular group in the past through morphic resonance a memory of previously existing similar social groups. The universe is not in a steady state. There's an ongoing creative principle in nature which is driving things onward. Rupert Sheldrake The cumulative nature of the evolutionary process, the idea that memory is preserved, means not just that life grows through a random proliferation of new forms, but also that there is a kind of cumulative quality to it all. 
The most compelling implication in his hypothesis is that nature is not governed by externally fixed laws, but rather by habits that are able to evolve as conditions change. He feels that the natural world in which we live, and indeed the entire cosmos, is alive. It is a vast, constantly evolving organism with developing habits. This is contrary to the mechanistic idea that nature is a fixed machine governed by fixed laws. His work provides insights into how new patterns of activity can spread far more quickly than would have been thought possible under standard mechanistic theories, asserting that if many people start doing, thinking, or practicing something, it will make it easier for others to do the same. Here is an example of non-local resonance, in this case, the swift spreading of an idea worldwide. The ancient Maya used a long count calendar in which 13 baktun, or 5,125 years, came to an end on December 21, 2012. Jose Arguelles unraveled the Mayan calendar matrix and found two significant dates. The first, August 1987, came to be known as the Harmonic Convergence. It was a key time for us to access the noosphere for planetary peace. In August 1987, millions of people worldwide joined in a globally synchronized non-local meditation and prayer at key sacred sites to send a world vision for a peaceful future. Shortly after, Strange, unpredicted events occurred, such as the fall of the Berlin Wall and the unraveling of the Soviet Union. Could the morphic resonance of humans have been affected by the global synchronized thought of the harmonic convergence? The second date of importance was the culmination of the Mayan calendar on December 21, 2012 and there were many interpretations of what was going to happen, including the end of the world. Since the world did not end, I like the interpretation of Ricardo Cajas, president of the Colectivo de Organizaciones Indígenas de Guatemala, who said the date did not represent an end of humanity, but initiated a new calendar involving changes in human consciousness. Arguelles posited that after the end of the 13 Bactuns, humans might become a totally different species. Ever since then, I have been watching to see what would happen. If we can collectively shift the world by inner meditation and change work, if we can contribute to the noosphere or the human morphic field, there is hope. There are possibilities for action. Joining with others in this collective thought field could make a difference. So you don't miss any of our shows. Make sure you subscribe to podcast.changewithin.com or click the subscribe button below. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Jane Battenberg.